Motherhood has been used to oppress and exploit women for centuries, but it doesn't have to be this way. And as mothers, we're ready for a revolution. We love our kids, but we struggle with losing our identities, bearing the weight of motherhood without enough support, and striving to meet those impossible standards of what it means to be a good mother. It's time to openly discuss how motherhood is deeply affected by patriarchy, racism, and capitalism so that we can break free of these systems. As mothers, we know our work is valuable and has radical potential to birth a more equitable and inclusive future for ourselves and our children. Welcome to the Rebel Mothers Podcast. I'm your host, Susie Fishleader, and together we'll explore the challenges of modern motherhood and reclaim mothering as an act of liberation. Hello, Rebel Mothers. All right, so everywhere you look around right now, there are reminders that this week is Valentine's Day, a hyped up and over-commercialized celebration of romantic love. But since this podcast is all about motherhood, I want to take today to talk about the romanticized or idealized narrative of a mother's love, and then introduce the idea that a mother's love can actually be revolutionary by challenging norms, embracing diversity, and fostering inclusivity. You're going to see, especially as we get closer to Mother's Day, that the traditional narrative of a mother's love can be presented as something that's like really saccharine, super sweet and sentimental. And if you Google this phrase, a mother's love, it comes back with, you know, images of like white moms holding white babies and everyone is smiling and there's quotes printed on like heart colored paper. I don't know. Everything just sort of seems soft and magical, right? But those of us who are mothers know that our love for our children is maybe sometimes soft and magical, but it's also messy and fierce and often outside of what could be considered normative mother's love. So today I want to talk about a few things that go beyond the image of a conventional mother love into mother love that is inclusive and radical. So number one, I want to expand the definition of motherhood beyond the normative mother and expand the definition of family beyond the nuclear family, right? We're going to do this by exploring the intersectionality of motherhood, discussing how factors like race, class, and sexuality influence the experience of mothering and family. Also, we'll look at chosen families, you know, non-biological or other mothers. We're going to really celebrate all the ways in which diverse motherhood narratives uh, you know, contribute to a richer definition of what it means to be a mother. And then uh, number two, I want to talk about the experience of mother love itself. You know, how we need to include all the messiness and contradictions and ambivalence, disappointment, joy, when we think about what it means to be a mother who loves her children, especially when our families don't look like the Hallmark card version, right? So that way, when the reality of motherhood hits us, it doesn't make us feel like we are less than or failing in some way. At the risk of sounding like one of these saccharine, cheesy Hallmark quotes, I really do think that a mother's love is one of the most life-affirming, powerful, nourishing, and meaningful things that we can give and receive as humans. But it's a tragic fact that there are children out there who are not receiving that unconditional love and support from their own mother that they should be receiving. And I think if there are more stories out there representing a broader spectrum of what a mother looks like and what families look like, there could be more resources out there for mothers who want to support and love their child, but maybe don't know how, don't have any you know, exposure. Okay, so let's get going. First, let's start by expanding the definition of mother, motherhood, and the family. So 
What does a mother look like? In her research, motherhood scholar Andrea O'Reilly describes for us the normative image of mother that we see, you know, in research, in media, represented to us all over as, quote, white, middle class, able-bodied, 30-something, heterosexual married woman who raises her biological children in a nuclear family, usually as a stay-at-home mother, end quote. Um, hi. Yes, that's me. That's like the exact description of me as a mother. I mean, I am, I'm actually 40-something now, but other than that, I literally embody the definition of normative motherhood. And this is the image that you, you know, of a mom that you see in commercials, on sitcoms, in stock photos, etc. But let's take a look at some of the numbers. So here are some data points about motherhood in the U.S. right now or within the last couple of years. So in 2022, there are about 53 million white families living in the U.S., compared to 30.18 million non-white, including Black, Hispanic, and Asian families, which means about 37% of families in the U.S. are not white. 18 million children live with a single parent, and about 80% of those parents are single moms. There are about 4.4 million parents who have a disability. 191,000 children live with same-sex parents. And I couldn't find any data on how many parents identify as transgender, only that about 1% or about 2.6 million Americans are are transgender. Uh, 12.4% of children live in poverty, and nearly 150,000 children were born to a teenage mother in the last year. So I think it's safe to say that there are millions of mothers in the U.S. who do not fit this normative mold. We know that diverse representation matters. So for those of us who are creating and performing work around supporting mothers, we absolutely need to be inclusive of everyone who identifies as doing mother work. And not only do we have this preconceived normative ideal of what a mother looks like, we have a standard family structure that is upheld as primary, the nuclear family. The nuclear family structure with one husband and one wife and their children emerged as a predominant family structure in the West during the 19th and 20th centuries, right? Largely due to, you know, the the socioeconomic shifts from industrialization. Now, before this, extended families where multiple generations lived together or in close proximity were more common. So industrialization led to urbanization. And as people moved to cities in search of work, the nuclear family became more practical and it consisted typically of parents and their children living together in a separate household, often away from their extended family. But the ideal of the nuclear family has been criticized for upholding heteronormative and capitalist ideologies. So since it propagated the notion that a traditional family consisted of, you know, a heterosexual couple and their biological children, families that don't fit this mold can be ostracized, right? So you've got LGBTQ families, single parent families, multi-generational households, maybe multiple single mothers raising their children all in one house. Like few of these families can find representation for their needs. And this affects and influences a lot of the policies and laws and sort of social structure of our, of our society today. Moreover, the idealization of the nuclear family model has been linked to capitalist interests. Right? It's encouraged the idea of self-sufficiency within the family unit, which could lead to increased consumerism, as each family is expected to have their own home, their own appliances, their own possessions. So, you know, instead of communally shared household items, each little house has like their own ladder and their own lawnmower and their own crock pot. And these things only get used occasionally, 
but it's very consumer-driven approach, and it has for sure benefited the capitalist economies to have the nuclear family model. Now, in Patricia Hill Collins' essay, It's All in the Family, Intersections of Gender, Race, and Nation, she describes six elements of this idealized family unit and how these elements affect the views of gender, race, and national identity in the U.S. So these six elements include manufactured hierarchy, home space, blood ties, rights and responsibilities, inheritance and social class, and family planning. It's a great essay, and I won't be able to cover the whole thing here, but basically Collins explains how the traditional family model upholds systems of patriarchy, ageism, heteronormativity, and white supremacy. Here's a quote from the essay. Racial ideologies that portray people of color as intellectually underdeveloped, uncivilized children require parallel ideas that construct whites as intellectually mature, civilized adults. So when applied to race, family rhetoric that deems adults more developed than children and thus entitled to greater power uses naturalized ideas about age and authority to legitimate racial hierarchy. End quote. So Collins presents a really compelling argument for the ways in which the normative ideal of the nuclear family continues to cause harm in society, especially around patriarchy and white supremacy. But that's not to say that a nuclear family arrangement must always result in a dominator-style family model, right? I want to note that these criticisms of the nuclear family model don't mean that all nuclear families are, you know, inherently oppressive. Um, my own family is nuclear family structure, right? I'm married to my husband. We are the parents of our biological three children. And while I, I really wish my extended family could come live with us and we could all help each other out, for the most part, this model works for us. So families come in various forms. And what's most important in, in supporting like diverse family structures is dismantling these stereotypes, dismantling the expectations associated with the nuclear family ideal so that all types of families and living arrangements are welcomed and supported, okay? Because it's really essential to recognize that the nuclear family model, with its emphasis on a, you know, a specific family structure and roles, can play a significant role in shaping maternal experiences. So the expectations and pressures associated with the nuclear family ideal can contribute to this ideal of a perfect mother. And then, you know, when individual mothers don't have their magical made-for-TV mothering moments, they experience something called maternal ambivalence. Maternal ambivalence is a pretty complex and misunderstood concept, and it just it refers to the simultaneous experience of conflicting emotions that mothers may feel toward their roles as caregivers and parents. Right? So on the one hand, Mothers may deeply love and care for their children, find immense joy and fulfillment in motherhood. And on the other hand, they may also experience moments of doubt, frustration, guilt, or even resentment due to the demands and challenges of parenting. And they can feel these things in waves or even overlapping and at the same time. I mean, how many times have you struggled through the bedtime routine, right? And you're fighting off impatience and frustration and exhaustion, and you feel resentful and annoyed at your children. And why won't they just brush their teeth and go to bed? And then moments after they finally fall asleep, you feel like you're staring at them and your, your, your heart's going to burst at the sight of their like little eyelashes resting peacefully on their cheeks. I mean, it's enough to make anyone feel like they're caught on like the seesaw of emotions all the time. So that's maternal ambivalence, and it, it acknowledges that motherhood is not a one-dimensional experience. 
It's a nuanced journey, right? Filled with both positive and negative emotions. It's helpful for mothers to have this framework and language so that we can start to destigmatize these conflicting feelings and recognize that they're entirely normal. Understanding that maternal ambivalence is totally normal and every mother feels like this can challenge that unrealistic expectation that mothers should always be selflessly happy and fulfilled in their roles. Okay, so now let's move on to the main topic of this episode, the idea of radical mother love. Radical mother love is a transformative concept that goes beyond conventional notions of motherly care and affection. It really embodies a deep commitment to you know, nurturing, advocating for, and fiercely protecting the well-being of one's children and the broader community. Radical mother love recognizes that love alone is not enough. It involves actively challenging oppressive systems and working towards social justice and equality to create a better world for future generations. You love your children so much, you are willing to fight for a better world for them, right? Examples of radical mother love can be found in the efforts of activists and you know advocates who were also mothers. They're fighting against racial injustice, gender inequality, environmental degradation, you know, and other societal ills, all while nurturing and supporting their own children. Um, for example, Dolores Huerta, she's the labor leader, civil rights activist who co-founded the United Farm Workers along with Cesar, Ch Cesar Chavez. She's the mother of 11 children and grandmother to many. And her journey into activism was deeply influenced by her experiences as a mother, right? When she was a farm worker and she's witnessing these harsh working conditions and exploitation faced, you know, by the agricultural laborers, she recognized that these conditions not only affected her, but also her children and other families in similar situations. So she became a tireless advocate for farm workers' rights, better wages, and improved living conditions. And so you can see this in everyday life too, right? Radical mother love can be seen in mothers who raise their children to be compassionate, socially conscious individuals, teaching them to stand up for justice and equity. It can also be witnessed in mothers who engage in community organizing, volunteering, you know, grassroots movements to create a more inclusive and equitable society for all children, not just their own. Um, you think of Shannon Watts. She's the founder of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. And she really epitomizes this concept of radical mother love. You know, when she, she's a mother of five, and she was really deeply affected by the horrifying shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in 2012. So she founded Moms Demand Action, which is a grassroots movement dedicated for, to advocating for common sense gun control measures and promoting gun safety. So she has this journey from being a concerned mother to a prominent activist, which showcases really that transformative power of maternal love. And I am going to do a future episode dedicated to maternal activism but it's really inextricably linked with this idea of radical mother love. So another example of activism coming from this experience of love is the free mom hugs movement, right? You've seen the free mom hugs. So this movement was founded by Sarah Cunningham. She's a mother herself, and it emerged as a response to the challenges faced by LGBTQ individuals, particularly those who were rejected by their families due to their sexual orientation and gender identity. So free mom hugs, you know, mothers and allies offer their unconditional love and acceptance to these individuals so they can provide that affection and support that some may have been denied by their own families. And this ties back to our earlier discussion about the idealization of like the nuclear family 
and the harm that that ideal can inflict. Children and teenagers who are navigating questions of identity and sexuality are at a higher risk for self-harm and suicide than their cisgender heterosexual peers. Uh, the Trevor Project estimates that more than 1.8 million LGBTQ young people ages 13 to 24 seriously consider suicide every year and at least one attempt suicide every 45 seconds. Radical mother love takes on an even more profound meaning, you know, when it comes to parenting a child who is identifying as LGBTQ, especially now when we're seeing all this pushback. Um, so in these situations, you know, mothers who embrace radical mother love, they're not only nurturing their children, but they're championing their identity and they are advocating fiercely for their rights and acceptance. They understand that loving their child means celebrating their child for who they are. And they recognize that loving their child means actively challenging societal norms and prejudices, right? We see this a lot with mothers of color. Mothers, mothers of color embody radical mother love in their, you know, unwavering commitment to nurturing and protecting their children within the context of systematic inequalities and racial injustice. Their love can extend far beyond the conventional boundaries of motherhood. They're often called to be fierce advocates for their children's rights and well-being in a world that can be hostile and discriminatory. If you're looking for a great book to read on the topic of radical mother love, I highly recommend the book Revolutionary Mothering, Love on the Front Lines, uh, edited by Alexis Pauline Gums, China Martins, and Maya Williams. So this book, it's, it's like a powerful exploration of motherhood, activism, and love in the face of systematic challenges. The editors pulled from you know, a diverse uh, amount of voices, like mothers of color, queer mothers, mothers with disabilities, and it really offers different perspectives and experiences on mothering. So it's all about the complexities of motherhood, celebrating the fact that this love is at the heart of many social justice movements, and that mothers have been at the forefront of these struggles throughout history, right? So then let's look, another example of radical mother love can be found in people who might not be considered mothers at all, but they are absolutely mothering children. This is where you find chosen families, right? Consisting of individuals who may not share a biological connection, but have forged deep emotional bonds with children. And this epitomizes radical mother love. These families challenge the conventional notion that motherhood is solely defined by biology, right? And it kind of proves that mother love point because I think there's a lot out there about maternal instinct and, you know, mothers are just inherently biologically more nurturing. Um, and that's a topic I want to dive into more, but, but chosen families and you see how much, you know, an, an aunt or a close friend or a godmother or mentor can offer love and support and guidance to a child these these examples kind of prove the point that like mothering a child doesn't have to be biological right these chosen mothers fiercely advocate for their well-being and their happiness of the children they nurture and so it kind of embodies that radical love that's central to motherhood to raising children and then non-biological mothers you know like foster mothers adoptive or stepmothers, uh, mothers in LGBTQ families, also really show this transformative power of maternal loves that kind of extends beyond biology, right? They may not share a biological connection with their children. They might not even go by the name mother, 
but they are still advocates for love and acceptance and inclusivity. You know, they might face societal prejudices, legal challenges, but they really demonstrate that the essence of motherhood lies in that unconditional love and care that they offer. So they're fostering this radical mother love that transcends biology and embraces diversity. So look, ultimately the point I want to get across here is the revolutionary power of radical mother love. Challenging traditional motherhood norms is an opportunity to challenge and dismantle larger systems of oppression. So let's start to wrap this episode up. Motherhood is multifaceted, marked by both tenderness and messiness, and it often diverges from you know, normative expectations. And so today, our exploration of radical mother love included two significant parts. First, we discussed the need to expand the definition of motherhood beyond the normative mother image, right? Motherhood is diverse. Mothers are diverse and intersectional. And we really celebrate the, con- the contributions of mothers from various backgrounds, you know, and there's just, there's an importance to highlighting inclusive narratives and redefining what it means to be a mother. Secondly, we looked into the experience of mother love itself, acknowledging the concept of maternal ambivalence, which recognizes that motherhood is nuanced and it's filled with a spectrum of emotions. And this understanding challenges that unrealistic expectation that mothers should always be selflessly happy and fulfilled in their roles and encourages a more open and supportive conversation about motherhood. And finally, we talked about how challenging traditional motherhood norms is an opportunity to challenge and dismantle oppression, right? The conventional image of motherhood has unfortunately been co-opted and manipulated by the intersecting forces of patriarchy, capitalism, and white supremacy. And this idealized image often portrays motherhood as synonymous with self-sacrifice, domesticity, right, conforms to a narrow set of like gendered roles and behaviors. This distorted narrative really serves the interests of these systems of oppression by you know, reinforcing these roles where women are expected to prioritize caregiving above all else, right? Capitalism takes advantage of this by promoting consumerism, encouraging mothers to buy products, you know, to like meet social expectations. And then white supremacy plays a role by perpetuating this image through limited representation, further marginalizing mothers of color and reinforcing harmful stereotypes. So challenging all of these oppressive forces is essential to reclaiming motherhood as a diverse and inclusive experience that empowers all mothers to define their own paths and identities. By breaking free from these constraints and embracing a more inclusive and equitable approach to parenting, we not only empower mothers to reclaim their personal agency, but we also challenge the very foundations of these oppressive structures. So this episode celebrated the diverse and multifaceted nature of a mother's love while highlighting the transformative power of radical maternal love that challenges norms, embraces diversity, and fosters inclusivity. It's a reminder that a mother's love in all its forms is a potent force capable of driving positive change and shaping a more inclusive and equitable world for all children. Stay tuned for more empowering stories and insightful discussions in future episodes of Rebel Mothers. Remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast to spread the message far and wide. Learn more at suzyfishleader.com. And thank you for being part of the motherhood revolution.